One of our deepest longings, deeper than we even perhaps recognize day to day, is that other people should acknowledge certain of our feelings. We want that at key moments our sufferings should be understood, our anxieties noticed, and our sadness lent legitimacy. We don't want others necessarily to agree with all our feelings, but what we crave is that they at least validate them. When we are furious, we want another person to say, I can see that you've been driven to distraction. It must feel very chaotic for you inside right now. When we're sad, we want someone to say, I know you're unusually down and I understand the reasons why. And when we can't take it all anymore, we want someone gently to utter, it's been too much for you, hasn't it? I recognize that so well. Of course it has. It all sounds desperately simple, and in a way it is. And yet how little of this emotional nectar of acknowledgement we ever in fact receive or gift to one another. The habit of not having one's feelings properly acknowledged begins in childhood. Parents, even the most loving ones, frequently stumble in this domain. It's not that they don't theoretically care intensely for their children. It's that they don't appreciate that true care involves regularly reflecting a child's moods back to him or her, rather than subtly pushing the moods away or denying that they exist. Here are some typical unacknowledging parent-child exchanges. I'm feeling sad. Don't be silly, you can't be. It's the holidays. I'm really worried. Darling, now that's ridiculous. There's just nothing to be scared of here. I wish there wasn't any school ever, ever. Don't be so silly. You know we have to leave the house by eight o'clock in the morning. How different things might go, and what a different sort of adult the child would have a chance to grow into. If such dialogues were only slightly tweaked, if, for example, the parent could say, it's weird, isn't it, how it's possible to be sad at the oddest of times, even on a lovely beach holiday? Or, I can see you're scared, that wind really is fierce out there. Or, it must be really horrible having double maths all morning, especially after such a nice weekend. There is one big reason why we don't acknowledge as we might. Fear. The feelings we push away are all, in some shape or other, emotionally inconvenient or troubling or upsetting. We love our child so much, we don't want to imagine that they might be sad or worried, lost or having a terribly difficult time at school. Furthermore, we may operate with a background view that acknowledging a difficult feeling will make it far worse than it actually is. It will mean fostering it unduly or giving way to it entirely. We fear that if we give a bit of unbiased mirroring to our child, we might be encouraging them to grow cataclysmically depressive, unfeasibly timid, or manically resistant to authority. What we're missing is that most... <laughs> oh, Lord, we about to get started with another one. Did you know that video, that clip we just played, explained why you look for who you look for in a relationship? You look for what you didn't get. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, that was heavy. You weren't properly acknowledged or properly seen when you were a child. So you go out into the relationship world to be seen, to be heard, to be visible. 
Oh, my God. Tonight's topic. Listen, we about to get deep up in here. You know how I like to do. Metaphorically speaking, I look for the politically correct term. And the politically correct term is disability. Right? If you have a maladaptive attachment style, you have an intimate disability. Woo! Oh, Lord. Oh, if you have a combative communication style that you modeled from your home as a child, or an avoidant communication style, you have an intimate disability. You should apply for disability at work because right off rip, you got issues. Right? If you engage in infidelity out of fear or out of some desire to be seen or acknowledged as, you know, sexually powerful, that's an intimate disability. If you lack confidence, that's an intimate disability. All the bad behaviors that you modeled in your early childhood that you carry into your relationships, intimate disability. Unrealistic expectations, intimate disability. Woo! Like I said, maladaptive attachment styles, Intimate disability, fear of intimacy, intimate disability, fear of being alone, intimate disability. If the love is always unequal in the relationship, somebody is suffering from an intimate disability. Tonight's topic, coping with intimate disabilities. Are you relationally disabled? Mm. Why does your significant other feel unseen and unheard in your presence? Why does my partner make me feel invisible? 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. We're going to have a real one tonight. What exactly is intimacy anorexia? What to do if you are feeling unheard in a relationship? Not feeling heard in a relationship, what are the causes? 1-800-920-1580. We got a national discussion getting ready to take off. If you want to bring your city in the building, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. Do you feel unseen, unheard, unacknowledged, unappreciated in your relationships? Why is that? I want to know. Agree or disagree? Invisibility, on the other hand, refers to feeling unnoticed, overlooked, or undervalued within your marriage slash relationships. It can manifest in various ways, such as your opinions and needs are constantly being disregarded or a lack of acknowledgement or appreciation for your contributions. Maybe you started off in the relationship as a bad person 
or as a person with issues, maybe not a bad person, just a person with issues. And you started to grow up. The relationship started to grow you up spiritually and you began to change and evolve. But your partner wants to hold on to who you were in the beginning. Right. That, that you can feel invisible from that. When you feel invisible, it can erode your sense of self-worth and lead to a diminished sense of importance in the relationship. 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. This is a national conversation. No judgment zone. If you want to talk about it, so do I. True or false? Ultimately, not feeling heard in a relationship is the result of your partner simply not listening or appearing to not listen to you when you share your feelings or concern. Are you the invisible partner in your intimate relationship? Is your partner suffering from an intimate disability? Are they blind to how you feel? Are they deaf to your expressions and what you want to say to your voice? Are they deaf to your voice? Oh, this is going to be heavy. We agree or disagree. Listening to your partner requires being present in a relationship. And there are several reasons that can explain why your partner doesn't seem to listen. Are you being heard or are you being tolerated? They can't wait till you finish. Oh, God. Have you considered the possibility that your partner may have their own unresolved emotional issues that prevent them from fully engaging in the relationship and truly hearing you? Could it be that your partner lacks the necessary communication skills to effectively listen and understand your perspective? Is it possible that your partner is preoccupied with their own thoughts, feelings, worries, or concerns, making it exceedingly difficult for them to fully focus on you and your needs? 1-800-920-1580. Get to your phone lines. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you. Have you explored the idea that your partner may have a fear of intimacy or vulnerability, which causes them to shut down and not fully engage in conversations? When I come forward, the voice of reason on a Tuesday done started a fire. Are y'all ready to get involved? I hope so. When we come forward, let's talk about it. Hi, my name is Thais Gibson, and I'm the co-owner and creator of the Personal Development School. This is your daily breakthrough video, and in this video, I want to chat with you about fearful avoidance, anxious, preoccupied, and even dismissive avoidant attachment styles, and feeling unseen, unheard, and misunderstood. So we're going to do sort of a, a deep dive into these core wounds themselves and where they can come from and how the different attachment styles, just at a high level for this part, um, sort of respond to some of the different challenges they might have experienced in their early lives and, and in their past that create this sort of pain point and core wound of feeling that way and also things that people do might do to adapt to some of the pain they went through that keep them leave, that leave them feeling even further unseen unheard and misunderstood and I also want to touch on what other core wounds those core wounds can activate along with them 
and sort of like entangle with to a certain degree. And then I also want to chat with you about some strategies to work through these things. So stay tuned. We'll go through all these different things. Um, before I dive into all the content, I want to let you guys know we are still doing a sale to support our community during these uncertain times. I know there's a lot of challenges going on in the world right now, and so we're just trying to lend as much support as we can in different ways. Um, so we have a coupon code. I will leave it in the video, like a little thing you can click on. And the coupon code is with you. It's all one word, and you can enter it. Um, as you go to sign up for a membership, it applies to three-month, six-month, and 12-month memberships, as well as single course purchases. And we have a really amazing supportive community in there. I'm like blown away and honestly like honored <laughs> every um, they're entered in the other two webinars anyways, but the other two have some extra like content, a deep dive, workbooks, reprogramming, you name it. There's lots of there's topic. Can you create a video on it? So, so feel free to share your feedback or your needs so I can basically support you guys in whatever way I possibly can um, from a distance. And thank you for being here and being a part of the community and, and um, staying tuned in to some of this content. So let's talk about this. So I want to first start by like talking about each attachment style and how they might feel unseen, unheard, and misunderstood. So number one, anxious, preoccupied often feel, and when they feel unseen or unheard, a lot of it usually comes out of inconsistency. They usually feel like they can get seen and heard when they're with people or connected to people, but it's when there's a separation, like a physical distance, that often anxious, preoccupied start feeling more unseen, unheard, or misunderstood. And Part of the reason for this is that that physical distance represents the trigger that the subconscious mind has associated with that inconsistency, with that inconsistency um, from usually some pain point in childhood. So let's say, for example, in childhood, or let's just say in early life, there was a connection to your caregivers, and then maybe they were really great at showing up and being present when they were there, but they were working a lot. In your adult life, the subconscious mind will associate that physical distance that you experience with your caregivers in early childhood with something that's very triggering in your adult life because it reminds you of that distancing then that you couldn't control, felt unsafe because of, etc. And so this is the place that anxious preoccupied are the most likely to be triggered by feeling unseen, unheard, or misunderstood. And they're quite common core wounds, but the deeper manifestation of this, which fearful avoidance often share with this, share with anxious preoccupied specifically, is that when we are in a space of people pleasing, and this is coming up so much inside of the school and questions and all these different places. So I'm going to do a full course on like strengthening your self identity. And I'm going to put people pleasing into that. They're, they're, they go together hand in hand anyways, but it's going to be about these sorts of things specifically. So when it's just such an important topic and when we feel this, like, let's say you have a, a pain point, okay? Let's say you're the anxious preoccupied and you have Man, she was talking about me. I think I'm anxious preoccupied. Boy, that physical distance be whooping my tail. Ooh, Lord. That was heavy. I think that's my relationship disability. That's heavy, man. Coping with relationship disabilities. Your attachment style can be, if it's, if it's maladaptive, can be a type of relational disability. Wow. Yee, this is heavy. Uncovering the root causes. Uh, you know, exploring the complexities of relationship dynamics, understanding the feeling of being unseen and unheard. 
when we start delving into the root causes, we begin to delve into the emotional baggage that hinders communication. Recognizing the possibility of unresolved emotional issues in your partner that impede their ability to fully engage in the relationship. Understanding the role of communication skills and active listening and empathetic understanding, exploring the impact of preoccupations and distractions on your partner's ability to be present and attentive. Then there's the fear of intimacy unraveling the walls that prevent genuine connection, examining the role of fear in shutting down and avoiding vulnerability in conversations. You guys hear me talk about it all the time. Relationship is a mirror. This is why the the avoidant, preoccupied attachment style goes after or is attracted to and vice versa the dismissive avoidant. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Our disabilities... Our soulmates, our intimate disabilities are soulmates. And they want to get together so they can resolve their issue. Not you and not, not our issue, me and you. But the attachment style wants to resolve its issue. So it is attracted to its opposite. I don't know. I don't know who I'm talking to tonight. But we're talking about intimate disabilities. This is heavy stuff. Are y'all ready for this? Could it be that your partner has a different communication style when they express care and support through actions rather than verbal validation? Have you explored the impact of of attachment style on your partner's ability to, to listen and validate your experiences? Could there be differences in communication styles or expectations based on attachment patterns? People get on here and be talking about relationship. If your partner does this, where's the information to back up the anecdotal stuff? Can we get to... You know, I keep telling people relationships are inherently spiritual, man. We getting with each other so we can resolve something in us. Gosh, I. Oh, I'm tired. I'm exhausted now. This lesson ain't going to end because you tired. You, you listen. You can change relationships like you change draws. Hopefully that's every day. (laughs) But the lesson remains the same. You gonna get the lesson from somebody. Have you explored the impact of attachment styles on your partner's ability to listen and validate your experiences? Have you considered the possibility that your partner may have a different perception of what it means to be heard? And they may prioritize maintaining harmony over avoiding conflict over actively. Are y'all ready for this? 
when we come forward, we're really going to get to the phone lines and talk to our people. We got people in here right now all over the country. We're going to get you in here. Let's get this national discussion cracking when we come forward. I'm Stacey Rockline, and I help people create deep, meaningful relationships and connections through healthy communication. Okay, so sometimes we're not being seen and heard because the other person doesn't have the right skills, right? They don't know how to listen well. They don't know how to acknowledge and validate somebody. Now, these are skills that you can pick up, and that can help. And if that's the problem, you think that's the problem, then you're gonna to wanna to grab those. This video, however, is about something small you can do if you feel profoundly unseen and unheard. I mean, if you feel that you've got a belief that that will never happen for you, if you feel invisible across all of your relationships, across all of your life, then you've got something bigger going on. There's still an action you can take. What can happen when someone feels that way is that acknowledging and validating doesn't work. They can come talk to somebody about like this big thing, this experience, this fear, a worry, a concern, a dream, uh, a need, a desire, and they share. And the other person acknowledges, shows up. But if you're dealing with a, an internal limiting belief like that, you may not notice. So you don't notice that they do acknowledge you. You don't notice that they do show up. They do try to validate you. And so then you just keep going, keep going, double down, double down. And that person who's trying to acknowledge you and validate you because you haven't acknowledged them, they start to go, oh, well, I don't know how to help this person. I don't know what to do in this situation. Then they start to retreat. Wow, the feeling of invisibility and not being heard in a relationship can have profound effect on one's sense of self-worth and emotional well-being. It is crucial to recognize that this experience may stem from a lack of emotional intimacy, a sense of not being understood or heard. Intimacy anorexia, a pattern of withholding emotional connection can exacerbate these feelings. However, it is important to approach this issue with empathy and open communication, seeking to understand the underlying causes and working together to find solutions. Ultimately, healing and strengthening the relationship requires both partners to actively engage in the process of creating an emotional intimacy and fostering a sense of being seen and heard. Easier said than done. We got callers on the line. They want to jump in. Michael from Chicago, get in here. Zo, how you doing? Man, I'm alive and well, man. What are your thoughts on tonight's topic, my friend? Man, uh... I was your first caller yesterday. I, uh, I called and asked me for some insight on my relationship. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to call in, and uh, I was uh, showing accountability yesterday, and uh, a couple people took that wrong, and I just wanted to call in and clear some things up, man, if I can. I mean, you can, 
but it's not necessary. You know why? Because mm-hmm. you you called to do what you needed to do, and it's none yes, of their business or, or what they think about it. Don't matter. You got what you needed too, didn't you? I did. Definitely. All right then. Definitely. So some strangers on the internet with opinions about your level of transparency matters not. You did something big. You're right. You did something big, man, because you know what? Most people, brothers in particular, won't pick up the phone and say, hey, man, I respect this brother over here. He flawed just like I am. He's working through this thing just like me. You know what? I trust this brother. Let me call this brother and, and, and reveal some things. to You did that, man. You ain't got to go back and deal with a stranger you ain't going to never meet to try to correct their perception of you. Damn their perception, brother. I definitely agree with that. I just didn't like the insulting part of being, you know, uh, reduced to a man that only thinks with his bottom region. You know, I'm, I'm way more involved in that. Yeah, but that's the and, uh, Internet, man. You know, the Internet yeah, is yeah. like the Internet is the bottoms. <laughs> that's where people yes, that's where people go to talk confidently. Where they can't talk confidently in their real life. That's for sure. That's for sure. Do you understand, Definitely. brother? So, Michael, man, don't waste your time addressing strangers and weirdos that ain't got nothing better to do but criticize a brother who is doing something that they would never garner the courage to do. Come on, Definitely. Man. I appreciate that. Come Definitely. on, man. You better get back to your woman, man. I'm pr- <laughs> Listen, man, I'm happy your woman stayed. And I'm happy that you are taking responsibility for your infraction. And not only that, you're changing your behavior. Not only that, you've recommitted to her. Not only that, you're more self-aware because you fell. And now you got up and your woman is still there. Man, You listen, man, you know how lucky you are, brother? Man, honestly, Zoe, I've been listening to you for a very long time. Uh, I'm 34 now. Since I was about 27, I've been listening to you. And I listened to your work before that. So you yeah. you play a big part of my involvement as a man all the way. So all right, that's why, I you know, it, definitely. I appreciate that. Right, I don't appreciate don't waste you. your time with these trolls, brother. Thank you for the call. You brought Chicago in the building. Listen, if. You want to bring your city in the building? All you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. What are your relational disabilities? What are your intimate disabilities? Sometimes mine, I would say mine, right? Sometimes I listen superficially. Now, I hear everything and and listen I'm one of those people who can read a book one time and remember everything in the book, right? And I listen like that. I remember what you said, but I might not pick up the emotional impact of what you said because I'm so distracted and and thinking of so many other things. That's one of my relational disabilities. And then later it'll come back to me and say, in that moment, I needed you. I needed you present, brother. And I'd be like, yeah, but I heard everything you said. I remember I said blah, blah, blah. But nah, you wasn't there, really. That's one of my weaknesses.
one of my intimate disabilities. What are yours? When I come forward, phone lines, we go into Oakland, we go into South Central Los Angeles, and of course, we go into Austin, Texas. That's what 1991 sounded like. Legendary R&B group, True. You ain't never heard that record. Such a vibe, man. We on fire tonight. We got a great topic. What are your relational or intimate disabilities? I guess mine is poor listening skills, man. We got callers on the line. Let's get them on. Who's been on the longest? You already know. Sean, Oakland, California. Jump in here. Talk to me. Hey, brother. Great show. Uh, you know, disabilities, many. I, I think one of the the main things we all have to think about is acknowledging that, you know, we need to improve on all levels, right? I mean, Look, the whole point of us going through this life is to enjoy every moment and and time flies, Mm. right? Time flies, enjoy every moment. So when you're, you know, (laughs) have these disabilities, you know, acknowledge them. Look, I got so many, I can't even tell you, but I will tell you. I mean, one of them is, you know, my thing is, I have a schedule in my mind, right? So I go through this schedule and, and, and I'm doing it. And I, as it goes along and then someone tells me to do something, mm-hmm. right? And this isn't good. I'm just saying this is the way it is. And someone tells me to do something and I'm like, okay, yes, I'll do it, but not on your schedule. Do you mm, understand what I'm saying? Know, I hear you. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. So, I mean, what I would say for everyone is to make adjustments because I've made all those mistakes. You know, when someone comes into your, your mind has an agenda, your mind has a routine, your mind has a way of doing things. And then if you, you're really in a a relationship, you love that person and they tell you, you know, Hey, I need you to do this. It's really hard. It seems so simple, right? right. It seems so simple, right. but it is not. It's not simple. Like do the dishes, like clean the floor, <laughs> do you know whatever they say. It doesn't right. matter. Right. Your partner, right? If you can make that adjustment, which I learned after 30 plus years, mm. you know, I you know, I learned you you can't learn it overnight. But I would tell you for the young people, if you can learn it now, it doesn't mean a woman telling you that. It could just be your partner. It could be, uh, you know, people you're living with. It doesn't matter. Just make sure you respect what they're saying because they're saying it because they love you, but they want you to do this. Right. And, and it breaks you out of your routine, brother. And it breaks you out of your routine. Hey, you know what? I appreciate it. And guess what you just did, Sean? I'll tell you what. I just love you, Zoda. You're you're (laughs) doing a great job. Thank you, brother. You brought Oakland, California in the building. If you want to bring your city in the building, you know the protocol. The number to dial is 1-800-920-1580. We have somebody in the chat right now, Natasha Parker. She says... Her 
Intimate disability or relationship disability is not listening to learn. Yeah, that's that's a heavy disability. If you want to join the conversation, call us tonight, 1-800-920-1580. Who's been on the longest? Reggie, Austin, Texas. Get in here. What's up, Zoe? What and up? I'll be real quick, man. Um, I've learned that our disabilities often make the way for an entirely new set of abilities. Come on, man. Um, That's what I was waiting on. Come on, Reggie. Let me get out your yeah. way. And just like um, people that may not be able to see very well, they can hear phenomenally. Mm. So if you don't feel like you're being heard, I would implore that you hear yourself. Um, that you make a, a a note of what you what you read, what you eat, um, you know the, the 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 conversations that you have with yourself throughout the day. Nah, I'm not. And gonna, just make a note Reggie, of all of that stuff. I'm not gonna let you yeah. off the hook. Yes, I agree with Reggie 100. percent But here's a here's another perspective and angle to what you're saying that I feel like needs to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. Learn how to hear outside or around the noise of your wounds many times absolutely you see what i'm saying many listen many times you can't hear what you need to hear because your ears are focused on the wounds cries on your pains cry and you so busy trying to satiate that pain and those wounds that you are not hearing the message that God is giving. Listen, man, you just said something, man, and it just, you stay with me, Reggie. This is what Prince meant in the record if I were your girlfriend. Would you run to me if somebody hurt you, even if somebody was me? See, when we get hurt Mm. by the person closest to us, our ears are now not tuned in to what they got to say. It's really right. tuned in to the wound. Do you see what I'm saying? It's tuned into I can't believe Absolutely. you did that. It's tuned into the image of who they thought you were. Talk to me, yeah. Reggie. Come on, get in here. Get some and of this gumbo, it, man. Pre- Where well, the presence of your wounds doesn't stop the, the, the truth that's there either. Your healing is there too. Come on, um, just like your wounds are there. And so I think it's it's value in everything that we hear. It's value in everything that we go through. You just got to examine it and see what the value is to what you're going through. Mm. And that, I mean, that's where your healing is. Like it's in you. Mm. Um, that's just the truth, man. And your your voice means something. Um, you're important. So that means your voice is important. Mm. And you just got to remind yourself of that. Man, <laughs> Reggie, guess what you just did, my brother? Brought Austin in the building, baby. Austin, Texas is in the building because of Reggie. Hey, get to your phone lines. Join this conversation. I want to know what your intimate disability is, man. It, it, this is a heavy conversation, man, because, again, relationship is something you're going to always be in. Even when you're alone, right? Even when you're alone. And let me tell you some of the the, the most gut-wrenching pain you can ever experience. 
is to be in a relationship and feel distance and be alone and feel as if you're not being heard or appreciated or respected. Even when you're trying your best to, to grow up spiritually, you're trying your best to be accountable and change. So when you are listening to somebody completely, attentively, then you are listening not only to the words, but also to the feeling of what is being conveyed to the whole of it, not just part of it. Jay Krishnamurti, you knew I, you, come on now, you knew I, I had to get Krishnamurti in here. And then a lot of people don't want to hear this honest truth. Love may be the ultimate solution to all man's difficulties, problems, and travails. Jay Krishnamurti. I ain't crazy when I'm talking about the higher level love. I'm not talking about kindergarten, Disneyland, cartoon, Saturday morning cartoon love. I'm talking about the higher level love, the mystics that existed time immemorial always talked about a level of love that is so high that it is synonymous with God. We don't get to that because we become wound babysitters. We become pain parents. I know you didn't want to hear it that way. When I come forward, the heat shall continue. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Aaron. Welcome to The Kind of Love, where we talk about the internal struggles and internal dialogue, the self-talk that's holding us back from getting the kind of love that we're looking for. Have you ever felt just like someone didn't really see you, they didn't really hear you, you felt not valued in a relationship, like no matter what you did, it just wasn't good enough. So what do you do in situations like that when you just are not getting the kind of love you're looking for? You know, I had a friend once where I thought I was being helpful and I was excited for his project that he was making. And I got a lot of resistance back. I got shut down a lot. And I was just really interested in why that kept happening. And I wanted to become aware of that. And so I just straight up asked him, you know, friend, what role do you want me to play in your project? Like, how do you see me as, a, as the biggest help in this project? And man, did I get a flood of judgments back from him. Well, Aaron, you do this, this, that, and the other. You always do this. Careful, by the way, for always sentences or never sentences, right? Those are our, like harshest, heaviest judgments. We hold people to their patterns. Anyways, I realized that I wasn't being helpful to him at all. In fact, I was actually being harmful to myself by playing this role that didn't really exist. <clears throat> and by asking him what role he wanted me to play in his project, I really got a sense of how he actually valued me. Like he didn't really value me much at all. He kind of just wanted me to do grunt work. Man, oh man, a shevitz. Tonight's topic, coping with intimate disabilities. And the reason why we, you know, do this little play on words is real simple. You know, you know, being unseen or feeling unseen in a relationship. That means your partner suffers from a type of intimate blindness. Being unheard in a relationship, that means your partner suffers from a type of intimate 
deafness, you know? And like I said, the, 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 the deepest hurt is to be in a relationship and feel single, right? And not only feel single, but feel alone and single. You know, that, that, that's a powerful hurt. Tonight's topic, man, we were talking about intimate disabilities. If you want to bring yourself into this national conversation, all you got to do is call me at 1-800-920-1580. Relationships are complex and multifaceted, often requiring effective communication and active listening skills to thrive. However, it is not uncommon for one partner to feel unseen and unheard in the presence of their significant other. Tonight's topic, hour number two, we aim to explore the potential reasons behind this unfortunate plight of of the relationally disabled. I'm relationally disabled. So I'm not finna sit in here and make it seem like I'm the perfect specimen because I'm not. By delving into various possibilities, we might be able to gain a deeper understanding of the underlying emotional issues, communication skills, personal preoccupations, fear, fears, defense mechanisms, past experiences, coping mechanisms, power dynamics, and differing perceptions that may contribute to this phenomena. One serious aspect that contributes to this phenomena is unresolved emotional issues. It is critical to consider the possibility that your partner may have their own unresolved issues emotionally, internally, that hinder their ability uh, to fully engage in the relationship. These unresolved issues can create emotional barriers preventing them from truly hearing and or seeing and or understanding your perception. All right. I want y'all to pay attention now. Lack of communication skills. Effective communication is the cornerstone of any healthy relationship. It is plausible that your partner may lack the necessary communicative skills to actively listen and comprehend your, your viewpoint. This deficit might hinder their ability to engage fully and contribute to the feeling of being unseen and unheard. Personal preoccupations. Individuals can often have their own thoughts, worries, and concerns that distract them from fully focusing on their partner's needs. Well, I I truly believe you have to focus on your needs You have to be the chief proponent of meeting your own needs. And then you can pour a little out of your cup once your cup has been filled by you. I I, I believe that. Right. Fear of intimacy or vulnerability. Some individuals may have a fear of intimacy or vulnerability causing them to shut down and disengage during conversations. This fear can, it might stem from past experiences or a lack of trust, making it, you know, super challenging for them to fully engage and listen to their partner, right? 
defense mechanisms. In an attempt to protect themselves from emotional pain, some individuals develop defense mechanisms that are designed to dismiss or ignore their partner's feelings and or needs. This defensive posture, behavior, can contribute to the feeling of being unseen and unheard, right? As their partner's emotions are invalidated and overlooked. Impact of past experiences. Past experiences such as unresolved trauma or attachment issues can significantly impact an individual's ability to connect and listen in a relationship. These experiences may create emotional barriers that hinder their capacity to be fully present and engaged with their partner. But let me tell you this. There is no attachment style that is impenetrable, that cannot be reauthored by you. There is no childhood wound that cannot be healed. There is no communication style that cannot be reconciled. See, all of this stuff is soft programming. It might be hurtful, but that is the ultimate purpose of relationships. The ultimate purpose of relationship is to reveal this psychological or psycho-spiritual stuff in your shadow, brings it to the forefront, So you can take ownership of it, love on it, and then transmute it into whatever you want it to be. You can go from an anxious, preoccupied attachment style to a secure attachment style. You just got to work at it. Especially if you want love and you want to give love and you want to receive love and you want to be in love and you want to have a healthy relationship. You have to be able to see right, that this stuff that's coming up is yours to own and yours to reconcile. 1-800-920-1580, get in here and talk to me. We got JW South Central in the building. Get in here. Hey, my brother. Yes, sir. How you doing? How you doing, my brother? Man, I'm alive and well. What do you think about tonight's topic, my friend? Oh, man, it is so awesome, man. Pretty much you said some of the things I wanted to interject, which is, you know, um, just realizing, you know, that um, you have to accept things as they are and then love a person where they're at. Now, I'm paraphrasing what you just pretty much stated. Um, And one of my um, shortcomings when it comes to emotional um, handicap or being dysfunction, that's a term I like to well, use all the time. Well, wait, hold on, J.W. Handicap is, mm-hmm. n- is not the politically correct word to use. It's, it's, <laughs> we, it's intimate. Okay. Dis- you're intimately disabled. Okay, yes, sir. Well, anyway, as, as I was about to say, I realized that Sometimes I can um, pretty much um, be absent-minded and forgetful, and then with my overreactive imagination, which is the flaw, then I can pretty much, uh, what's that term? Uh, 
when you uh, what's the word when you destroy something you self uh, self destruct or whatever the other word is. It's you talking about a self fulfilling prophecy? Self, you self, sabotage. There we go. Self sabotage. Yeah, right. Okay. Right. 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 I have to gather, I have to gather my thoughts. But yeah, that's one of my flaws, and I realize that. And then when it comes to another person that may not have the ability to comprehend or they shut down intentionally for whatever the motives may be, I can misinterpret that and say, well, I'm not an effective uh, communicator. Because at one point when I was younger, I used to be praised by how I can communicate or a woman gave me a compliment. I was dating, I was much older than me. She said, oh, you articulate your point well. And I didn't know the definition of the word articulation, so I had to go look it up. But the point is, I was able to communicate and converse and have an intelligent conversation. And I carried that, um, I say, pride or, you know, that ability throughout my life. And once I engaged here in present tense or in real time, years later, I'm realizing I don't have the ability to be as effective as I thought I used to be able to because I'm not getting the right uh, results, but I realize it's not actually me. It's just the person because they're up in age and, you know, Alzheimer's or dementia, things of that nature. And I have to catch myself and realize that, hey, you got to love this person where they are. And I think about the fruits of the spirit in terms of love, joy, peace. And the key word is long suffering. And it has to be kind and goodness and faithful and have self-control because I found myself becoming emotionally out of control. Mm. Mm. So that was one of my weaknesses, and I had to catch myself. But the point I keep wanting to reiterate is I'd be absent-minded and forgetful, and I repeat the same routine, and I'm wondering, am I insane? Well, I've been thinking, you know, I've been meaning to ask you if you was insane, you know, since the first time you called in. But guess what? We all, are, we all a little crazy, brother. <laughs> a little dysfunctional. It's called human experience, my brother. But yeah, I, you know, I had to embrace that and just realize, you know, that I had to, I uh, like uh, what Brother Cornell West say, you had to learn to fail and fail better. That's, That's right. the point. That's learn right. to fail and fail better. All right, my brother. Good night. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Yes, sir. What yes, sir. did you just do, JW? We're in South Central LA. That's right. LA in the building, South Central. Listen, if you're in Pasadena, if you're in Pomona, if you're in Pacoima, if you're in Long Beach, staying on point, where you at? If you're in Culver City, Inglewood, if you're in DTLA, if you're in Hawthorne, Los Angeles, show your love for the voice of reason. Get in here, make your presence felt. The phone lines are open, and of course, this is a non judgmental space, and I want to talk to you. Brainy Dose presents Six Warning Signs Your Emotional Needs Are Not Met in a Relationship. Everyone has different priorities when it comes to relationships. Whether you want someone who can give you great advice or make you laugh during tough moments, you have expectations. Once you get to know someone who meets those expectations, you might think you've got it all. And while your partner's qualities may look great on paper, it's important to recognize that there's more to a relationship. 
The ability to meet your emotional needs is an essential trait that your significant other must possess. Most human beings tend to gravitate to the same basic necessities in relationships, such as attention, volition, connection, security, and independence, to name a few. However, each individual has different emotional needs and unique values, and every person also has their own strengths and weaknesses when it comes to meeting those needs for their partners. Expecting your partner to fulfill every single one of your emotional needs is unrealistic, especially if the relationship is new. But your partner should support you in the ways that matter most to you. If you're experiencing issues in your relationship, you might chalk it up to behavioral problems and move on. However, these problematic interactions are often triggered by unmet emotional needs. Here are six signs to watch out for. Number one, you daydream often. It's normal to daydream about the future. You might think about the adventures you want to plan, the places you'd like. Ladies and gentlemen, the VOR back in the building. We dropping jewels tonight. You know, this is a heavy topic. Coping with intimate disabilities. This ties into my thought process and the idea when I say we're all works in progress, right? We're all works in progress. So in a way, we're all relationally impaired to some degree. Some more than others. But we all have work to do. The caller before our, uh, before JW was talking about, uh, oh, it was, it was our, our guy Reggie from Austin, Texas. And we were talking about the attachment styles. And, and then I saw in the chat where uh, Pretty Brown uh, Mimi was basically saying she's not really familiar with uh, the attachment styles. So there are four basic attachment styles, but I think there are sub-levels to those attachment styles, and, and, and I don't see them as monolithic. I don't, I don't see like, oh, you're this attachment. I think you, you kind of shift in and out of all of these styles, in my opinion. But based on your primary caregiver, now this is a concept that was created by a man by the name of John Bowlby. Then later Ainsworth comes in with the strange uh, situation where it was an experiment with children, you know, babies, leaving them in a room, the primary caregiver leaves, you observe how they act, and, you know, and this is how you ascertain what uh, the attachment style is. Now, the attachment style is believed to be developed in early childhood and is influenced by your primary caregiver. Now, primary caregiver is just a catchword, in my opinion. That's mama, your mama. OK, we're going to do that. OK, so you have secure attachment, which if you look at it in terms of this secure attachment is this thoughts about oneself. If you're securely attached, you have positive thoughts about yourself. So these are the characteristics of secure attachment. OK, healthy boundaries, mutual trust and support, controlled conflict management that's a securely attached person okay i want you guys to pay attention to that then you have anxious right anxious attachment fear of abandonment 
That's me. A foster child. That's me. Right? Fear of abandonment. Uh, needs, you know, validation, external validation. And will get a lot of self-worth and self-esteem from a partner who validates me. Now, when I was younger, I was really a mess, you know, but as an adult and understanding where I started from, you understand, you know, I'm able to have moments of secure attachment. I haven't mastered it yet. Then you have dismissive avoidant, right? Dismissive avoidant. And they even have a fifth one, which is disorganized. It's called disorganized. But dismissive avoidance, this, these are attachment styles. Avoids intimacy and vulnerability. Commitment issues. Guarded and closed off heart. That's the dismissive avoidant. Why? Because somewhere along their childhood, somebody missed a moment to validate a negative emotion that they had. Okay? Not a good emotion, a negative emotion. In other words, dismissive avoidance didn't get a chance to experience the full spectrum of how they can feel. Because some emotions were accepted while others were not. And with that happening, the dismissive avoidant goes inside and starts to self-soothe, take care of themselves, you know, love on themselves, right? They carry this into relationships. So typically they attract the anxious preoccupied. So the anxious preoccupied loves the dismissive avoidant because they lay back and cool and chill, right? They love them. But when the dismissive pulls back, the anxious avoidant leans in. And leaning in feels like being chased to the dismissive avoidant. And the dismissive avoidant doesn't want to be chased. They don't want it to be fixed. They don't want you to help. They have grown up taking care of their own emotions. Whereas the, the anxious, preoccupied, can I help? How can I help? How can I fix it? Don't leave. Wait a minute. Where are you going? Hold tight. Let's. We can work it out. You, you see? The dismissive avoidant is like, oh, that's too much. You're crowding me. I, I can take care of myself. Uh, you, you understand what I'm saying? Does that make sense? And then finally, you have something called the fearful avoidant. Fear of rejection, hard time trusting and relying on a partner, and very low self-esteem. Needless to say, anxious, dismissive avoidant, fearful avoidant have a negative thought process about themselves. This is the attachment style. Now, I don't believe it as the gospel of Christ, but it is an interesting framework for you to look at what your attachment style just might be. When I come forward, we're talking about intimate disabilities. What are yours? The loneliest you'll ever feel is not when you're all alone. It's when you're in a relationship, but 
there's loneliness in the relationship. So you feel like you're in that relationship alone. Unfortunately, this is something more and more of us psychologists in the practicing field are seeing among our couples. Normally healthy couples are coming in and just saying, we're lonely. We just feel like, you know, we're, we're not connected. We're not able to be there for each other. We're awkward when we're together. There's nothing to say. Sometimes our partner's terse or aggressive toward us. And we just, I just feel alone in this marriage. Now make no mistake, loneliness is universal and everybody feels lonely sometimes. But when you feel lonely constantly and you're in a relationship, that's a red flag that something is not going well. <clears throat> what I like about loneliness is it's a time that you can reflect and you actually can fix this issue and you can restore the marriage. But like all things, takes your partner committed to the same goal, which is to add closeness. I'm going to go through several things that initiate or cause loneliness because it doesn't happen all at once. As you can imagine, it happens over years. It's obsequious. It just sneaks in. And before you know it, you feel alone and it has nothing to do with an empty nest, although that can make people feel alone for a while. But it has more to do that there's no connection, no spiritual, no emotional, no physical connection between the couple. And that's when you know you're alone in a marriage. And it feels even worse because when you go places, other couples are not that way. And it, you know it's abnormal. You know you used to not feel that way. Okay, here's what causes it. If one of the partners becomes bully or territory, you know, like, you know, they start terrorizing you. If you say something, they jump on it. And that causes you to be defensive or withdraw. And this is what happens with couples who are lonely. Instead of pulling together, they start pulling their antagonistic. They're working against each other. And that's not going to be helpful for the relationship. A strong desire for emotional support. If one of the partners wants emotional support and they know they're never going to get that from their partner, they begin being silent. They back away. They, they become more private in their matters. They're talking to other people. They don't rely on their partner anymore. A loss of physical touch. When's the last time you touched your partner? When's the last time you kissed them or had sex with them? When's the last time you went walking and held hands? If you don't do this anymore in your relationship, you may be finding signs of loneliness within, with among the two of you. Um, insufficient time spent together. Like you don't value your time together. You're, something's always first. There's a time schedule. And if your partner and you do have a date, you're looking at your watch. Like I got to get home and I got to get these reports in, or I got to finish this project. Today's the last day of the month. If you find that you're putting other things in front of your partner, then you can almost bet your partner's going to start feeling lonely and alone in this relationship. Relationship disabilities. Wow. This, this topic got real deep real quick, didn't it? She was cooking. What was her name? Mary Jo Rabini. Rapid, rap, rapidly. Rap, 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 rap. Heavy 
heavy. That is that is a potent kind of loneliness when you got somebody, but you ain't got them. Sheesh. Coping with relationship disabilities, intimate disabilities. You could feel lonely by not being heard or having a sense of not being seen. We got callers on the line. Let's get them in here. Who's been on the longest? True monger, Dallas, Texas. Get in here. What are your thoughts? Man, um, just throughout the whole night, I've been hearing stuff that I've been guilty of and I've had done to me. Yeah. Um, feeling like you haven't been heard. Um, like your, like your feelings don't matter. Like what's going on with you doesn't matter. So you tend, you do tend to get silent. And then you put your guard up and you feel like you can't open up with this person anymore for whatever reason. And things can go sideways real quick. Mm. You know? Mm. But it's, I mean, we've all dealt with it to some degree. And that's where communication really plays a big role. At some point, either you're going to try to understand one another while you're together, or you're going to have to go your separate ways to figure out what's going on. And it might be a good chance, a good thing for you to do that so you can't reflect and figure out what's going on on your end mm-hmm. while you react the way you react and respond to certain things the way you respond to them. Because right. Right. at the end of the day, you got to be accountable for your actions. You can't always be accountable for your partner. Mm-hmm. Like you said, they may be going through things that you have no idea about. And you're not even, just not even and, aware of it. Yeah. Right. And they could be taking that out on you and you don't know how to respond to it because you don't know where it's coming from. Right. Right. Heavy stuff. And if you, yeah, if you tend to try to dig and find out, they may get offended by that. Mm. Just because they're not, they may not be ready to even discuss it because they're still processing it. Right. Even though it may be years or decades after the fact. Mm. So mm. you're almost, in some cases, you're almost in a lose-lose situation. Right. If you're not trying to work on it. Yeah. Yeah. Heavy stuff, man. What did you just do, True Monger? What did you just do? Brought Dallas in the building. Dallas, Texas is up in here with wisdom. Back to Krishnamurti. Relationship is a process of self-revelation, of self-knowledge. This self-revelation is painful. Demanding constant adjustment, pliability of thought and emotion. It is a painful struggle with periods of enlightened peace. See, people want to play with you. Let me tell you why they want to play with you. They want to come into your life and enjoy the ease of your life. But they don't want to enjoy or don't seek to engage in the disease of your life. People want to date a good time. They want to date something that is ephemeral. Don't you know a good time is like cotton candy? Soon as it touches your tongue, it evaporates. That's why we have a book 
called a photo album with memories in it. <laughs> you see, a good time does not last all the time. But a good relationship understands that it's good because it stood the test of time and everything that we've been through. See, people want to play with you. They, they want everything to be easy. But that's not the way life has it set up. Life has relationships set up to exacerbate your spirit for the process of spiritual maturity. The process of spiritual maturity comes from being rubbed the wrong way. Read it again. Relationship is a process of self-revelation, of self-knowledge. This revelation is painful, demanding constant adjustment, pliability of thought and emotion. It is a painful struggle with periods of enlightened peace. Don't you know the average person will throw away those periods of enlightened peace so they can stay in a space of quiet? They choose quiet over peace all day in America. Because quiet requires no work. It just requires you pulling the blinds down. It requires you turning the lights off. When we come forward, I'm going to Houston, Texas. Texas is in the building. Let's do it. Classic Tupac. All eyes on me. Ladies and gentlemen. The voice of reason back in the building. Heavy topic tonight, man. I hope I'm stretching your perspectives, man. You know, coping with intimate disabilities. What's yours? I said mine is not listening attentively enough. That's my relational disability. I get so distracted with so many other concerns and things going preoccupied, so many other things going on in my life that I tend to miss the emotional content of what's being said to me unless I'm really tapped in. I got to be, I have to be tap tapped in. And, you know, it takes me a minute to get to that place because, you know, part of me is very guarded and takes me a minute to, to get vulnerable and share. Atala from Houston, Texas, get in here and give us your thoughts on this topic as we wrap. What's going on, Unc? How are you? I'm good. I'm hanging in there. All right. So and you? And you? Uh, How are you? Oh, <laughs> I'm good. I'm well. Um, a little tired, but you know, I was like, let me call my Unc. Yep. Um, yeah. Yes, sir. But I wanted to kind of add something to uh, when they're speaking about being lonely while you're in the relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, something that I struggle with, and I guess this is like my handicap, is loving through injury. Mm. And I'm not speaking about mortal injuries. I'm more so mean, hurt. you know, the minor ones. Yeah, learn, yeah. yeah, loving through hurt. That That's common. Maybe that's our topic tomorrow. Mm. 
Interesting. Interesting. Well, I'm I'm a person that retreats, so I'm definitely guilty of, you know, the stonewalling, the everything that they kind of discussed. And um, I've seen it come up in two situations, different, one work, one relationship. And I think something that's been pivotal for me in trying to process those situations um, is that the role that I play in the situation is not lessened just because I was offended or so just because I was treated let, correctly. Let's do this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm down. I await, I'm down. I, I'm already planning on writing one. <laughs> I await your five questions. Atala from Houston, Texas. She brought her town in the building. Listen, it's too late to bring your town in the building. The Voice of Reason has some things to share with you. We are all, to some degree, relationally impaired. But we are not permanently impaired. Right? We are not permanently, permanently impaired. Let me let can I can I tell you something? You are all born with a solution in your spirit. In relationship, your significant other is the polar opposite of the solution that you carry in your spirit. The person comes into your life to ask your central nervous system, your inner child, your unrequited wounds a question that is buried so deep within you that it is unbeknownst to your conscious mind. The great Krishnamurti put it this way. To ask the right question is far more important than to receive the answer. The solution of a problem lies in the understanding of the problem. The answer is not outside the problem. It is in the problem. So the problem comes into your life. And instead of saying. The answer in me called in the problem, the solution in me called in the problem. So that I can reconcile it from the inside out. This is why relationship is so important. But we preempt our lesson. You know, because we have free will. We have the power to say, you know what? I didn't sign up for this. You know what? I thought this was going to be that and it wasn't that and it turned into this. So now I, I don't have an affinity for you anymore. So I'm going to start this lesson over. But Krishnamurti hits you in the face again and says, but inwardly, we are as corrupt as the person who sits in office and plans wars because we want to be somebody in the family, in the group, in society, in, in the nation. We want to be acknowledged by the outside toxicity. So you now have to ask yourself the real question. Right? Have your intimate disabilities become a part of your identity? They don't have to be. They're there for you to heal. They're there for you to reconcile. They're there to help you level up spiritually. 
I know we want our relationships to be easy and comfortable and free and and all of that, but that's just not how they're set up. Do you understand? They're set up to push you. And I need you to understand that. I need you to accept that. Right? Please accept that. Most people have lost that relationship with nature. They look at those mountains, valleys, the streams, and the thousands of trees as they pass by in their cars or walk up the hills chattering. But they are too absorbed in their own problems to look and be at peace. We're afraid to do that with our wounds. How you want to be seen and you won't look at your wounds. How you want to be heard and you won't hear the cries of your own unresolved issues. You call in a person who is ignorant to those cries as well. Listen, I'm voice. I'm Zoe Williams, the voice of reason. I started the conversation. It's up to you to finish it. I love y'all. Appreciate y'all. I'll be back tomorrow with another slapper. And guess what? Jill Monroe, RSVP with Jill Monroe up next to keep the fire lit. I'll holler later. Deuces.